Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's The Upper Room. Our podcast addresses the Christian's role in today's culture. We hope you enjoy it and find it informative. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Now let's get going. Hello, this is Jacob Davis with Bible Fellowship Church, and here on the podcast tonight, I'm doing a a direct message format. This is actually my first direct message format, Um, so uh, we'll just see how it goes. Uh, The topic I chose tonight is, uh, is, the subject is thoughts on pride and leadership, Um, and I thought it was kind of timely, but it's also a, uh, a common thread that's uh, that happens occasionally, and and I think we should uh, be transparent and discuss. So uh, recently, there's been some high-profile Christian leaders uh, involved with scandals uh, that, in different forms, were were ma- moral failures or sins. Um, so whenever something like that happens, there's there's many contributing factors, but really a common thread there is frequently the sin of pride. And we don't talk about that a whole lot, it, and it's, it's visible. It, it happens uh, to leaders or celebrities a lot, uh, but it's something that can happen to all of us, especially leaders in ministry and uh, leaders in our f- homes, uh, leaders in our community, um, and people who wouldn't otherwise even consider themselves leaders. Um, 2020, uh, the year 2020, had some very visible examples where pride ate up our culture and 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 destroyed relationships and witnessing opportunity and numerous other things the, the two examples uh, over the last year that have really come into play were the the topic of covid and covid response and uh and the other topic was politics uh so if you have any doubt about that just look on Social media at any time, and you can see that on on certain topics, people really uh, open the door to the sin of pride coming in, and uh, we'll talk about it more later. But you can be right on a given issue or topic and still eaten up with pride, and it can ruin what you're working for, what you've been working for, what you're going to work for. It can eat that up and lead open the door to all types of other issues. So uh, for the format tonight, I've just got a few thoughts on the topic of pride and um, and its devastating impacts, and we're going to go through those topic th- these these points and uh, and then look at a couple of uh, scripture verses um, so we can kind of kind of get an overview tonight, and hopefully we use as a reflection point that we can look at our own lives and kind of our our daily paradigms. So. One thing I talked about at the beginning, Christian leaders, uh, it makes the news when there's a there's a moral failure of a of a Christian leader. And it's uh but this is not something that only happens to Christians. Uh, obviously a Christian uh podcast, that's where we're gonna focus on, but it pride attacks leaders. Um and there's a few reasons for that. Uh but uh I wanted to point attention to 
to uh, Christians originally. Uh, in Romans 2.24, Paul says, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as, as is written. And when there's a when there's a, a leadership moral failure in the Christian church, it actually is gives reason or gives ammunition to enemies to actually blaspheme God's name. Um, that's really profound, and I think we need to be aware of that because that's what our witness really comes down to: is that unbelievers are looking at us, and and when we have a a sin, a moral failure. Um, it will cause blasphemy among unbelievers. Um, so, where does pride work into that? Well, um, if a leader falls, uh, it that's a discouragement. It's an internal and external ramifications. Internal to the church, it discourages it discourages others, and it really uh, breaks the heart of co-laborers in the gospel and affects their ministry. Um, it undermines your own ministry and things that you've done in your life trying to build not just uh, church leadership, but in uh, any kind of daily life, in your jobs, in your family, in your home, in your community. Um, so it undermines your ministry there, and it, and it gives cause to the external uh, factors as unbelievers. It, it gives them something to point to and blaspheme God's name because of your failure. So problem where pride works into this is it's it's a lot easier to detect in others than it is in ourselves. So uh, it's really, really apparent when someone's eaten up with pride to other people, but uh, to themselves, it really takes some careful introspection and the assistance of the Holy Spirit to really weed out the sin in your own life. Um, to, uh, exam- uh, scripture, a couple of uh, prominent ways that uh, pride attacked leaders. Uh, look what it did to King David uh, um, on two very big occasions uh, with the incident with Bathsheba. Uh, David, King David did not go out with his armies at one time, and uh, he was kind of soaking in the uh, privileges of being king. And uh, as the expression goes, with uh, idols' hands, it, it turned into a serious problem with Bathsheba that that wreaked havoc in his family for years, causing him tons of emotional pride. And uh, and uh, look what it did to uh, to his family life and his in uh, his governing. Uh, later, King David uh, it, uh, commanded a census, and pride was no doubt prompted that uh, because he wanted to see how big his army was and start putting his faith in the size of the army and not in God's sovereign. Ability to uh, to deliver, uh, and of course, the ultimate example of pride in Scripture is uh, Lucifer. If you look at Isaiah fourteen, uh, the pride that caused Lucifer to fall and and transform an angel into a the devil, and look at uh, the other sins that that opened with David and Bathsheba, they opened the way to murder and lying, uh, betrayal, um, adultery, all coming from pride. Uh, and when Lucifer, every sin imaginable, opened the the door to all his sins was opened uh, through pride. So pride attacks leaders. Um, and the second point I wanted to make was that pride destroys what, where, and when other things cannot. 
pride can destroy what other things cannot destroy. Pride can destroy where other things cannot destroy. And pride can destroy when other things cannot. And as I said at the beginning, on any topic, be it be it a scriptural issue, be it political, be it how we should deal with COVID, be it any any issue, you can be right about it and still absolutely eaten up with pride. And it's going to be visible to everybody else except for you in a lot of cases. So we really have to be be careful about that. Um on that thought, pride is really the strength of legalism, and pride feeds it, and it keeps it going. And by legalism, I'm talking about where you believe that doing this or doing that or any certain activities wins you favor with God and not the gospel that uh, salvation in uh, Christian living is by grace through faith. So, once you stray from uh, a grace-based theology and start getting into uh, legalism and, and do's and don'ts, pride is really what gives that legalism its strength because you start being proud of what you've done or what you can do and your, your activities and your, and your accomplishments. Even if those were good accomplishments and those were right and good things to do, you can start getting eaten up with pride, and that will eventually leave the, do- leave the door. Besides being a sin in, in and of itself, it can open the door to numerous other things, um, which you know, we'll talk about more. Uh, but legalism, it's never going to protect you from it. You'll never act away pride. There's nothing that you can do, uh, acts that, that get rid of pride. It's purely a heart issue, uh, completely about the way you're you think about things and what your spiritual condition is. That's really what's pride. There's nothing you can physically do to to act away pride, um, and that's why it can destroy what, where, and when other things cannot. Um, if you could have a perfect ministry otherwise, and um, and if you let pride in, it can destroy everything you've worked for. And the the ultimate scriptural example of this is the the failure of the Pharisees in Jesus's time. Again, it's so much easier to detect the sin of pride in others than it is in ourselves. And that was the situation with the Pharisees time and time again during the Gospels. There's a lot of things that they were doing that were perfectly fine and otherwise good things to do, but their heart was not in the right place. And that's why I say that they're a perfect example of what I say, what I mean when I say that that pride is the strength of legalism and it feeds it and it keeps it going. They were absolutely eaten up with pride of how proud they were of doing what they were doing. So that was the first two points, that pride attacks leaders and it destroys in ways that other sins cannot. Uh, the third point I wanted to make, and I've talked about it a little bit here, pride can lead to all sorts of other sins. Uh, uh, you know, we we and, it, and it's typically gradual too, which makes it even more insidious. Like the example I gave King David was pretty mild at the beginning um, where he he thought he didn't need to go lead his army as he had in the past, and it gave him idle time. Um, and But then he eventually found himself, uh, felt that he was entitled to another man's wife, and then to the point that he's, it was okay to murder somebody um, and then lie about it and, and try to cover it up. And that's an example how of, of pride can be gradual uh, leading up to other sins and, um, and uh, like a slowly boiling pot of water. So – but 
if you think about any sin, and this is why I think pride is the most insidious of all sins and the most dangerous, because it can really lead to anything else. Those are some examples from Scripture, but if you think about uh, racism, there's absolutely pride is a is a driving force in racism because it actually leads people to think that they are better than someone else just based on their uh, genetic uh, skin color or uh, ethnicity, um, sexual sins, and uh, uh, rape. So pride is at work there because because it eventually eats to the heart as, to such a point that you feel entitled to another person's body. Um, the same on a lesser scale with greed and covetousness and theft. There's an I deserve this mentality and pride that can lead to any other sin. Um, and that's really what hypocrisy is. The, the accusation of being a, a hypocrite is rooted when people see that pride at work in your life. Um, again, it's very, very readily apparent to others, uh, not so much to ourselves. So um, Proverbs sixteen eighteen tells us that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So again, pride can be uh, the open door that leads to countless to any other sin. I would I would propose uh, again. Look what it did in Isaiah fourteen to Lucifer and um, and all the sins that attached to Satan were all there. Um, through the open door of pride. And if he can do that, if pride can do that to an angel, imagine what it can do uh, to a human. And the biggest problem about pride, in my opinion, is that ultimately pride is a sin that can keep you from salvation. So many other sins, we 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 bow down and uh, and submit to Christ and ask him to cover over our sins in, in the blood of Christ is capable of covering over any sin. However, if you are eaten up with the pride of sin, that can keep you from that from that salvation moment. That pride can keep you from bowing down to Jesus, begging for his grace, and allowing him to take your sins away and give you eternal life. And so in that sense, pride can keep you from salvation because it keeps you from recognizing the need of a Savior and admitting that um, we are altogether worthless and our sins uh, are unredeemable by us. Pride tells us, pride tell, speaks to our inner self and tells us that we can redeem our way out of sin when the gospel tells us that nobody can redeem themselves out, out of sin. Um, all of sin fallen short of glory of God, and pride can keep us from acknowledging that fact and accepting God's grace through faith. So, uh, the next point I wanted to make, the uh, better news, the, the antidote for all this is humility. So, we said a minute ago, Proverbs sixteen eighteen says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. The next verse tells us, this is Proverbs sixteen nineteen. better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. James 4, 6 tells us that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 qu- quoting the same place, uh, 
Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, so again, uh, that's talking about ministry, you know, and we're, we're talking about younger people submitting themselves to the elders, being some, and then believers being submissive to one to another and clothed with humility. Uh, because that's what God seeks. That's the type of heart. Humility is what gets us to the uh, salvation by grace through faith. Humility is what tells us, is where we admit that we can't fix our sins. It takes, it takes God redeeming us for him uh, to, to be in right relationship with God and to, and to receive eternal life. Proverbs 3, uh, 34 Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble, um, uh, which is the basis for both First uh, Peter and James's quotes there. So, so the antidote for the sin of pride is humility, and it takes focus and it takes uh, um, constant work to be able to uh, examine ourselves. So that that's the next point: is is how do where do we get this humility and you can't really practice a negative. You can't practice not having pride. You can't even really do humility just for humility's sake um, to lead down some kind of road of depression. The, the, the way we achieve the right kind of humility, a holy type of humility, not, not a depressive state, the holy type of humility comes from focusing on Christ. And that's the next point I wanted to do. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So again, this is a hard issue. And as I said earlier, you'll never be able to act or do your way out of pride. It's a hard issue, and it has to be solved in the heart by focusing on Christ. Trusting in the Lord, lean not on our understanding. Leaning not on our own understanding is the definition. This verse is, is describes holy humility. Leaning on our own understanding is pride. Um, in all your ways, acknowledging him, and he shall direct your paths. That's how we avoid the sin of pride. The opposite of that is not acknowledging him, acknowledging us instead, and we're directing our own paths instead of allowing him, acknowledging him, and let him direct our paths. Um, Psalm nineteen fourteen is a fantastic thing to pray, that let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I think implicit in that, that verse is something that that we need God's grace to be acceptable in his height with in his sight with our meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth pride can eat those up the words coming out of our mouth and our thoughts in our heart can be full with pride and other ever people can see that and it can it can do the damage we talked about ruin our ministry and uh inhibiting our own spiritual life so we we need to we're not just saved by grace. We need to walk by grace. And we, we're not saved by grace through faith, and then we live by works. We are saved by grace through faith, and we're, we have to walk. To have a successful walk in life in Christ, we have to walk uh, through his grace. So that's fantastic prayer. It is pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. 
Looking at 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So again, focusing on Christ, looking at him as if we're looking in a mirror and then being trans, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us into that same image. Uh, image from glory to glory, just which to me implies an iterative process, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. If we k- keep that focus on the on Jesus, as if we're focusing in a mirror and not really focusing on us beholding in a mirror, that's that's the opposite of this. You see, if we look in a mirror and we only see ourselves, and we're just so proud of that, we've got this Dorian Gray situation where pride can just creep in and create all sorts of mayhem. Instead, we're supposed to, as in a mirror, behold the glory of the Lord. And we can do that by his word. We can do that by prayer. And we can even do that by fellowship with other Christians as we talk about and, and sing God's praises and, and talk about what he's done for us. Um, and transparency on this issue is fantastic because then it, it opens the door. Transparency on this is humility. If we're humble enough to say we have a pride problem and talk about it, Suddenly, pride is taken away from us. As as quick as as pride can go in, it can go out as well. So that that humility and exposing and open the door and the fresh air of uh, of transparency and authenticity that's apparent to other people as well. Just like people can see pride when you talk, they can also see authenticity and humility. And that's really what the world is dying for. The world is sick and tired of the pride that that's eaten up so much of our culture uh when with the issues i talked about some of our political issues last year and some of the uh discussions about covid pride was just in there so much and it was so apparent that that so much of our culture was suffering with this and pride because of what it is, it causes people to dig in deeper and to refuse to make mis- uh, corrections or adjustments in their thinking or compromise even. It, it, does, it allows for no course correction. It simply digs in to try to make a right versus wrong, black and white decision against other people. And our, our war is not against flesh and blood. We're in a spiritual warfare, Right. So uh, we'll talk about that in, in a little bit, but but just to just to think about what you've seen, and again, you can be right on a topic. If you, for the examples I gave politically on the on some topic, you can be right in what you're saying, or about uh, so much of our cultural topics this past year were around COVID. You could be right on what you're saying there, but if you're eating up with pride, it's going to cause problems. It's not going to work right. So the last point I wanted to make was that we just said we need to focus on Christ, not practice a negative. A continuous self-examination is kind of how we imp- we need to implement that. Uh, Proverbs 4.26 tells us to ponder the paths of our feet and to let all your ways be established. So uh, we need to pay attention to what we're doing, what we're saying, and how we're saying it. Um, because we don't want the name of God to be blasphemed among unbelievers because uh, because of how we say something and and how proud we are. First uh, Corinthians eleven talking about prior to communion, before taking a communion, um, in First Corinthians eleven thirty one and thirty two, Paul says, "For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we were chastened by the Lord, 
that we may not be condemned with the world. Uh, so prior to com- taking communion is a fantastic time to, to examine ourselves and to judge ourselves and decide if we're really looking in at, at Christ as in a mirror and be trying to be conformed to his image, or if we're trying to look at what we're doing and conform our theology of Christ to, to justify what we're doing. And in a way, it's the same kind of situation we have when we're talking about exegesis and eisegesis. Are we taking a certain theology and trying to read into Scripture what we want it to say? Because that's a pride issue too, right? Eisegesis is a that's eisegesis, and that's a that's a uh, pride issue. We have a a priori doctrine in mind, and we're trying to look at Scripture purely for the reasons of proof text and what we already believe. That's pride. The opposite is exegesis, when you're trying to come with a clean slate, look at Scripture, look at what it says in a, with a with a hopefully consistent hermeneutic, and uh, and see what the results come out of it. Um, that's exegesis. That's what we should be doing, and that takes a certain level of humility to set aside our cultural and personal predispositions and try to see what God is really trying to tell us when we're looking at Scripture. Uh, to to open it, open up Scripture, and uh, and go through the scientific process where we observe what Scripture says and we try to come up uh, uh, with with what we think it's saying as a hypothesis, and then uh, and then we experiment with it. We cross reference it elsewhere in Scripture and see if our uh, what we see in Scripture is holding up or not, and then before we actually go to the conclusion or the application of it and what we go about it. So it takes a certain a bit of humility to properly uh, use a scientific method in, in our in our biblical studies. Um, so again, the, the opposite is pride, where we already know what Scripture tells us, and we're trying to conform the image of Jesus or the words in Scripture to, uh, to what we already believe. So uh, that's a self-examination is, is the way we implement it, uh, our focus on Christ. So... Uh, just to wrap it up, I wanted to point out again that uh, that our our battle is spiritual. It's not against flesh and blood. We're not trying to defeat other humans uh, in our self-righteousness and our pride, even if we're right. Being right does not excuse the sin of pride, and that's what's so insidious about this particular sin. Um, we can be right and lose the and, and lose the battle, right? Um, because we're we're not fighting the way that that God wants us to. Uh, and again, your spiritual this is spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. Be, you have to beware the weak point in the armor. If if pride is a problem, it undermines everything else you work, and that's your weak part in your armor of God. So don't don't let pride be the reason you fall in spiritual battle. It doesn't matter what else has if that's a weak point in your armor. So we really have to be careful about that. Um, and again. John thirteen thirty five, the Lord tells us, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And so that was not talking about pride right there, uh, at least not immediately apparent so. Uh, but if you think about it, our, our love is what the outside world is going to know. That's how they're going to know. Uh, all, everyone will know that that we are disciples of Christ by our love. It's not by being right or making a 
convincing argument or, or browbeating others. It's by our love. So we need a sound answer. We need sound doctrine. But the but sound doctrine is not how people are going to recognize us. They're going to recognize us by our love for one another. So we need to focus on the church and being the church. And and we'll have a ready defense and we'll have sound doctrine. And we need to work on that. But not at the expense of, of losing our love. And if you want to lose love in a congregation, the way you do it is allow pride in. When we start... Uh, competing and being proud of ourselves, and the focus is once the focus is off of Christ, everything else falls. The entire house falls down. So we have to beware the sin of pride because that that can stop the love we have for one another. And once we don't have love for one another, people are not going to know for if we're His disciples or not. And if we just argue well, that's not going to get us anywhere. That's not that's not the method that Christ prescribes for us. So I just wanted to kind of summarize those points. That pride is is a big problem for leaders, but it is for for all of us, and it destroys in ways other sins cannot. It's so insidious, and and it can lead to other sins. And the real answer to that is to keep ourselves in a holy form of humility. Not a, again, if you looked up at some of this ascetics over the years um, who try to live almost like. Uh, or monastic lifestyles, they tried to try to uh, even to the point of harming themselves and taking away pleasures to try to get rid of get rid of pride and force humility on. But you you can't do that. You can never act your way away from pride. You can't do anything because uh, really acts we do that we think are pleasing to God. That's really the definition of superstition, right? Really, the Christian walk is not about doing or su- superstitious activities. What it is about is a right heart condition. That's what makes Christianity different than every other religion, is that we have a Savior who does it for us. And that's the difference between true biblical Christianity, the gospel, and in every other religion that are acts-based and what I would call superstitions. So, so again, you can't make yourself you can't push out pride by doing anything you have to be focused on Christ you you can't focus you can't practice a negative and not do this you have to live the christian walk focused on Christ and the way you implement that is self examination with prayer with bible study and staying focused uh, on him so anyway it's a scary world out there so uh and we make it that way <laughs> but uh but uh but you, I'm sure you all have examples in your life that you've seen where where Christ has healed the sin of pride and has and has broken people um, in their hearts and just done amazing things. So we will, we all need to be in constant prayer and constant communion that that'll work. And so I'd like to close this in in prayer uh, just briefly. So, uh, dear gracious heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've uh, had together. Uh, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you for your salvation, for your redemption, that you died for us to redeem us, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done for us that that we can't even conceive in our mind. Please help us have humble hearts as we reflect on what you've done for us in these um, and, and just the wondrous love that you have for caring about each one of us individually despite our sins. And there's there's no sin that we've committed that can keep us from you. Uh, all we have to do is is recognize that 
that you have done it all and it's and it's not of us uh it's purely by your grace and we thank you for that lord and we just ask you to lead us and guide us and be the family in christ you want us to be in Jesus' name we pray amen I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and found it thought-provoking. The Upper Room is a Bible Fellowship Church production. The opinions discussed by our guests are just opinions and random thoughts at the time of recording and do not necessarily reflect the doctrine or stated beliefs of Bible Fellowship Church.